Our text today is Ezekiel chapter 37, but I'd also tell you to put your finger in First uh, uh, Peter chapter 4, because we'll be going to there pretty quickly in this message if I don't lose my places and lose all my papers. That one wasn't important, so that's fine. Okay. I, I tell you what now, just a little while ago, I'm up here. I don't have a cold or anything. I feel like, oh, man, I got to blow my nose. And I'm in front of everybody. I said, something's making my nose run. And I thought it might be Kevin. I thought it might be Josh. But uh, neither one of them had deodorant on, so it couldn't have been them. Um, so I, I got to thinking about it. No, I just didn't know. But, you know, I don't like to blow my nose in church. Because people say, it's such a light sound coming out such a big tuba. You know? And so I kind of watch out for it. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we got that over, went to the back there, and the guys in the prayer room made them pray harder. All right, uh, Ezekiel chapter 37 is our text. Now, last week, we started this sermon that looks at three signs of the soon coming of Christ. Most often when preachers preach on the return of Christ, the rapture, they talk about things that are going to happen in the tribulation period, and they see the formation beginning now. But we took you to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 last week to give you the first sign, and for this reason. First and 2 Timothy are written to a pastor and a local church. It told about their structure of their government and everything else, and their ministry within the church. And then 2 Timothy went to the ministry without the church, outside the church. But then chapter 3... It tells us of things that are signs. It said in the last days, verse 1, and these are things that are going on in the local church. Now, those things that are there have always been manifested in the world. But what you see in verses 1 through 5 in the last days are typical of the local church. And so that was the first thing that we looked at this time. So let's consider that now as we read Ezekiel chapter 37 before we go into the second sign. Beginning with verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld... <clears throat> Excuse me. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, 
but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then said he unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Sounds like abortion, doesn't it? Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open our, your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring them to you and bring you into the land of Israel. Now shall we pray, Father? As we look at this message today, Lord, we believe that it is your word, but it's something that you've shown us, because we need to be aware of these things today. So, Lord, help us as we delve into the word today. I pray you'd help me to rightly divide it. Uh, Lord, I don't want to mislead anyone in any way. I want this to be your word. I pray that your very Holy Ghost would be the power in my voice that holds the attention, and thy Holy Ghost would take the message to the heart. I can't give understanding, but you can. So I pray that you would. If there's one in this auditorium who does not know that if they died today, that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be the very day they receive Christ as Savior. And we'd ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we look at this next sign here, we see the sign is the regathering of Israel into the land. Now, a lot of people say, well, doesn't that happen during the tribulation?" Because there was a regathering once, and yes, there was a regathering after that. There was a regathering after uh, this chapter was written in the Bible, as a matter of fact, or 70 years later, after the reign of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Then there was a 70-year period, and then Israel was regathered. They regathered in unbelief, and they changed. Instead of having multiple gods and worship the different gods. Now they had learned their lesson. We just worship Jehovah. But they still missed the world. And so they added a couple things in their doctrine. They said, well, we're the only ones elected to go to heaven. Haven't you heard that somewhere before in Sunday school recently? Some people are elected to go to heaven. Some are elected to go to hell. Well, that's actually didn't start with Calvin. That started way back there in Israel. It went to the Catholics then it went on to Calvin, okay? And Calvin, by the way, learned from Pope Augustine those very lessons and just converted them to Calvinism. But I'm just telling you that that was one of the things that infected Israel when they went back into the land in unbelief. Then they wanted to be like the other religions in the world, and so they took practices into their own religion that were like the other ones, so they would be like them, and yet be different. And so, finally, God tells them in the book of Malachi, your, your sacrifices, your things that you're doing make me sick. 
Wow. Now you think of that. Those things made God sick just to think about it. And so, <clears throat> again, in A.D. 70, they, went go, they go back into captivity. And they are there until 1948. Think of that. Uh, the probability, the mathematicians have done the probability is off the chart of the probability of a people remaining a people and be, being able to come back. In 1948, they were back in the land of Israel. It was in 1967, however, that they were back in Jerusalem. However, let me say this. They're still back in unbelief. So when you read here and you read of the bones coming together and then there's flesh upon them and when he gets all of that done, you can see bodies, what was just a bunch of scattered dry bones. The dry bones are brought together, just like the nation of Israel being brought back together. And then their scattered bones are together, and then skin comes upon them, and there are full bodies laying there, but no breath. And so he tells them to breathe, you know, call for the winds to blow upon them, and the breath comes into them. Just kind of like Adam, remember when he was created? The Lord still had to breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. But until then, it was just a body. And since we were created in God's image, we're spirits that have a body. We're not bodies that have a spirit. This spirit is going to live forever, either in heaven or hell, but it's not going to die, the spirit itself, but it will be in heaven or it'll be in hell, depending upon our relationship with Jesus Christ. This body will be done away with. And praise the Lord for this body being done away with. And we'll receive a new body. That's great. That is great. Man, that's a wonderful promise that we have. A body be fashioned like unto his glorious body. But having said that, we see Israel now is back in the land in unbelief, not real life. Prophesy, and the winds come. Well, we think of Jesus Christ coming back. And then he gathers Israel together in life. And not just those in Israel already, but from around the world. And they're gathered back, and they're one. But we see the beginnings of that right now. We see them gathered together in unbelief. And you see, for Israel to have a covenant with the world leader, the Antichrist, that begins the tribulation, they already have to be in land and be a government and a viable government. That's why I would say that this is a modern day thing, but yet a last day's thing before the rapture of a sign for you and me to see that this will happen. Now, I've said all that to say that when Christ returns at his second advent, that many will come out of the ground. There, there are graves, when we go to Israel, there are graves that are right there in front of the eastern gate. And, and they pack them. One on top of another, one on top of, yeah, that's how they do them. But the idea is that when the Lord comes back, when Messiah comes, they'll come out, out of the graves and they'll walk right into that eastern gate. And uh, there'll be nobody to stop it. There'll be no one to stop it at all because Jesus Christ is coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, but that's when the spirit of life is in them at the end of the tribulation. Now, Having said all that, that's the second sign. So we didn't spend a lot of time on that like we did in the first uh, sermon on 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Because uh, having a form of godliness but denying the power of, 
That is denying the holiness, the, the righteousness of God to be in our lives and to be exercised in our lives. Look, that was a sign of the last days. We see that happening. And, and so we, we understand that that would come about, and it has come about. And it's not just in Ocala. It's not just in the America. It's around the world. And we're going to see that. So let's look in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verses 12 through 18. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 18. Okay, there we read this. Beginning in 1 Peter chapter 4. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Now, he's not talking about the tribulation here, okay? Not talking about that. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. When his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he's evil spoken of, on your part he is glorified. Now understand, fiery trials. And people throughout the church age have suffered for the name of Jesus Christ. Men have been burned at the stake. The reason that we have a King James Bible is because there were men that were burned at the stake that were willing to die that we might have our Bible. So we, we've got that. We've got our, we, we, we have those uh, various things of the church today because men gave their lives or shed their blood. Even in America, they came here so that they could worship God freely. And, and be a Bible church instead of a government church. And we have that today. Now, that's under attack. That's under attack, but we do have that today. But understand, uh, you take a stand for the Lord, all those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're saying, I'm a good Christian, but you're never persecuted. Obviously, you're not living as according to the Word of God. Now, in America, most of persecution has been lying, it's been false accusation and things of that nature. That's the way the devil tries to work. But in many countries around the world, it's not working that way. Now, let's move along there, from, from there. Okay? Now, this takes faith because if you're being persecuted, it's a fiery trial, then you're happy. Why? Because you have faith. You know that God is going to reward that. The person that quits because of the fiery trials that come about them is the fact that they lack faith in the eternal rewards promised by God, in the greatness of eternity. And they have no idea, as Romans 8, 18 says, that the sufferings of this present time, no matter what the fiery persecution, the sufferings of this present time will seem minute. That is, they'll seem like nothing in their greatness compared to the greatness of the glory that shall be revealed in us. Faith says, I can withstand because the reward's ahead. I'm looking ahead. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But then he says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Now, I find that interesting. Nobody has a problem with with murderers and thieves and evildoers as, as being just bad things in God's sight. Our sight too. But busybodies. Those people got to say, oh, I got on the internet and I read this about that person. Boy, they want to go and spread it to everybody. 
that person is a busybody. That person finds out they think something and they'll go spread it. That is a busybody. God says they're on the same level as murderers, as thieves, as evildoers. Now, Andy Bloom didn't say that. God said that. Your argument is not with me. Your argument's with God. That's the word of God. Now, unless you believe the word of God has error, that's what God's word says. So we go along with the word of God, and he will never, 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 never let you down. Just understand that. He will never, never let you down. Now, let's go on. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this behalf. For the time is come. This is where you go back to the last days now, before the rapture. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Now those are pretty grim words. But they're also fair warning. Okay, they're also fair warning. You can decide to get on the right side or stay on the side that everybody else is doing so you don't feel like that you're different. But my friend, when I got saved, I became a new creature in Christ. I am different. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says. So, we looked at this last time and we saw that uh, what's going on in the church. But now, as we look at these verses, we see that there's a possibility of persecution in these days worldwide for Christians before the rapture takes place. And that's all I'm trying to point out to you in this particular passage. Now, as in Israel before the fall and in other countries that turn from God's way. Do you realize that uh, magistrates, presidents, prime ministers, uh, congressmen, policemen, uh, sheriffs, and on down the line, people were put in there in those positions. The Bible tells us, Romans 13, we're to respect those positions, but they're put in those positions for our good, for our protection. When those Various groups begin to turn back from morality, turn back from safety, to turn back from those things that God put them here to do. That's when God judges the nation, and God will judge all nations that forget God. That's what the Bible tells us. That's talk about those leaders being saved. It talks about them turning from the ways of our Lord. And so, uh, we see that happening, and it happens all about us. Israel, before their fall, as well as in other countries, they they turned from God. They began to persecute the righteous, only to have God take their kingdom away. Don't forget, Israel, after they returned from Babylon, okay, they still, they were there for well over 300 years. What, What brought about the next fall? They persecuted the church. Think about that. In Acts chapter 2, 2,000 are saved. Acts chapter 4, 5,000 are saved. By Acts chapter 6, a great multitude they can't number. That was a tremendous church in Jerusalem. 
Church is not there today. Antioch sent out churches. We talk about the seven churches in Revelation. They're in Asia Minor. What, what happened to them? They're not there. You see, God judges his own. God judges his own, but many times the world is the instrument that comes in and judges. So we've got to be careful at all times. Uh, Yet, you say, what about the righteous that suffer all the persecution in that? We're not looking for rewards on earth. We're looking for the eternal reward that does not pass away. We're looking for those trophies that don't get old. We're looking that for those things that God has to give to each and every one that are his. Let me give you some examples here. This is worldwide. So at the beginning in Finland, a Finnish member of parliament is under investigation and criminal penalty after posting Bible verses and questioning why the nation's evangelical Lutheran church is supporting LBGTQXYZ, okay, whatever it is, pride events. That's a good question. Why are they sponsoring that? And she put in and put the quote, I mean, she printed it out, quote, Romans 1, 24 through 27. What does that say? Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. By the way, this is New Testament. There are those that say, well, that's Old Testament. That's under the law. No. Right here in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is the one the Holy Ghost has given these words to write. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women, did change the natural use to that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. In other words... Homosexuality is what God is condemning there. And God gave some up for these sins. Now, don't stop there because you read through the rest of the verses there in Romans chapter 1. There's some other sins in there that we don't think are that serious. But they're all serious in God's sight. He's the one that judges. And people are unrepentant. Now, now don't get me wrong. Churches are not museums that display perfect people. Friends, we're kind of like hospitals. Where the wounded, the hurt, and the injured, and the broken come and find Jesus Christ, and they find healing for their eternal soul. My friend, look, I believe every homosexual can be saved if they'll repent from their sin, turn to Jesus Christ, and let him deliver them from that sin, and give them everlasting life. They can be saved. The bigot can be saved. The murderer can be saved. We have a great, awesome God. Well, this lady is charged with incitement against sexual and gender minorities. You know, uh, just for some people that have a problem with that, because I get, I mentioned this, and it goes over the internet like it does today. 
Somebody will email me and tell me how unloving I am. And I should not preach against that because Jesus never preached against it. I want to tell them, you don't have the same Bible that I have. But just for your information, a recent study, the biggest to date regarding genetic basis of sexuality, the study was by Harvard and MIT. Now, the Bible's way ahead of them, but nonetheless, everybody respects Harvard and MIT. They, through a study of 500,000 people, now get that, 500,000 people. The study found there is no gay gene, and one is not born gay or with a propensity for it. In other words, it's learned. It's learned. Jude 4 says, but there were certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. What do they do? They come in to the local church, act like they're one of you, and then they start bringing these things in. And that's just one of the things that are there in the Bible uh, told us that that's the way it would be. You have, uh, this is not a political thing, and well, I guess I don't care if it is or not. It's wrong biblically. But there's one political candidate now that wants to take tax-exempt status from churches if they don't go along with the gay agenda. If they preach against it, they should not be tax-exempt. Now, if we're not ever tax-exempt again, we're not going to quit preaching the truth of God's Word. My God has a greater supply than they do. CNN went crazy with its reporting running down the President of the United States for attending a session on religious persecution instead of going to a summit on climate change. Now look, I went to school, grade school and high school in the 50s and 60s. That was 25 to 30 years of the best years of my life. Um, You know what they were teaching when I was in school? A coming ice age. I still, I, do you, are you like me? You have on your cell phone the weather app and you look and it gives you five days ahead. You know what? It's rarely right. Why are people believing somebody can't predict the weather for five days and they're just predicting all these other things? Now, let me tell you something though. Global warming is going to come. Climate change is going to come, but it's not going to be man's thing. It's not going to be cows doing it. It's going to be when God pours out judgment on this country and on this world. And then they'll know heat like they've never known before. Yes, so climate change is coming, but it's not going to be till the tribulation. Praise God, I get to miss out on that. Now understand... Men still don't change even when you tell them the truth and they know the truth. In Revelation chapter 9, verses 20 and 21, it says this, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues uh, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils or idols of, uh, idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented they of their murders, Murder is just regular murder as well as abortion murder. Okay, any kind of murder. Nor their sorceries, comes from the Greek word pharmakeia, which means 
uh, black magic with the use of drugs. That's what sorceries was, and that's the word, and that's where it's used. That's where our, our word pharmacy comes from, is pharmakeia. And then he goes on to say, nor their fornications. Now, we just read to you about homosexuality, but fornication is sexual sin of any kind. A husband and a wife, a man and a woman in marriage, married, married, not a man and a woman, a man and a woman married to one another is the only thing God recognizes, and it's holy in his sight. He not only recognizes, it's holy in his sight. Anything out of that, cheating with someone else, homosexuality, bestiality, whatever you want to call it, it is a filthy, rotten sin, and all of that's on the same level. If you're down on the homosexual, just remember, you're in fornication, you're having an affair with someone else, you're on the same level in God's sight. It is evil, it is sin, it is wrong. Not because I say so. This is God's word, friend. I have a tendency to believe God more than I believe the meanderings of men. Let me give you some more. Sam Brownback is the United States ambassador at large. Again, I believe he's appointed by our president for international religious freedom. At one time, he's a senator from the state of Kansas, and he was also the governor of the state of Kansas at one time. But he made this point. Persecution of all faiths is increasing, but Christian persecution is at an all-time high. Let me give you a direct quote from him. There is more persecution of Christians now, arguably, than any time in the history of the world. The Christian faith is the most persecuted faith in the world by far. There are things that can come even before the rapture, folks. I received an email news, one of those news things that get in the emails all the time. And I, I was reading one. I, I read the news ones a lot of times. And one of the ones I was reading talked about how they could do things with a computer now. Of course, people have to have the technical ability and knowledge to do that. But they can take things from the computer and impose them uh, to make you look bad. For an example, uh, as, as I was going over that, somebody could call. And by the way, I, went, I was so shocked by this, I thought, Okay, you see our articles like that. The country's going to fall in the next six months. It never does. So you say, what, what is this all about? What is this all about? So I checked with people that were technical people, people that were in a position to know this, whether it was in uh, technical areas or in law. The, the three or four people I checked with, okay, they were very high up in these things. So I know that from their knowledge that what I read was true. Okay, so let me say it. Say that, first of all, someone call you on telephone. You ever get a telephone call from those marketers? Are you married? Uh, are you an American? Are you this? And you get a yes or a no, and you give them a yes answer. That's what they're looking for. Easy questions, easy to answer. And so you say yes. And they give a few other questions, and they say, well, that was that simple, and we we'll thank you for you that. They can take and impose your voice from that recording. And put it as you to agreeing to something else. A contract of some kind or whatever. If that doesn't scare you, maybe this will. Because this is the thing that really scared me more than that. 
Your computers have cameras in them. I believe your cell phones do too. They could record you watching this church service. They could record you laughing at something or they could uh, record you saying something, you know. Hey, honey, get me something else to eat, you know, or whatever else. But they can record all of that. They can take your face, take it from your site, put it on a pornography site, put it on a gambling site. They can put it on other kind of sites. People taking a stand for the Lord are going to have to get to a point where they're chronicling all their places they go and their time to dispel that. Now, I don't look at that to happen in big quantities because you've got to have a lot of knowledge to be able to do that. But that that's not just a thing that could happen in the future. The possibility, the capability of doing it is already here. I just don't think it's being done right now. But it is here now. Some people say, well, that'll never happen. I know it, but television would never happen either. Computer technology, man would never walk on the moon. You know, I heard a lot of things that would never happen that have happened. So the attacks of the future may be against Bible preaching preachers, but not just them across this land. Those uh, people that may take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, you stand against standards, you stand uh, against uh, evil, you stand against these things that are wrong, you stand for morality, you stand for what is right. And then other times, you can be put in prison for those stands, in jail for those stands. Now, the British government has confirmed Brownback studies and warnings. They found that an overwhelming 80% of persecuted religious believers are Christians. Matter of fact, the fact is that 10 of the worst violators of religious freedom are, we find that uh, seven are Muslim majority countries, two are communist countries, and I'm not sure what the other one was because I, I, I threw away the article, <laughs> okay, and was typing it together. I, I, I said, I'll remember this. It's fun to be in this age. Okay, I learn new things all the time. But, just imagine, just the things I preach today. And by the way, maybe today would be a hate thing if there wasn't a way to be saved from it. We preach these things because we love people, because we want them saved. But a person says... Well, if it ever gets to that, boy, I'll stand. You won't even invite somebody to Sunday school and church. You think you're going to stand? You won't witness to a lost soul. You think you're going to stand? You live in a day when you're not going to get beat up for just witnessing to someone. And you think you're going to stand when things are like that. And you go to jail, go to prison. Wake up. Now, folks, it's the way it is. 
But what is so interesting about this last passage that we've just read, judgment must begin at the house of God. And maybe these are some of the things that will be, I don't know. I don't know how God's going to do it. But maybe these might be some of the things God is going to use to try to bring down the churches that go in so many different directions. Now, folks, I, I praise the Lord when we, have a, when we gather crowds. But the goal is not to gather crowds to say we had this many. Our goal is to preach the gospel and get these people saved, but not just saved, to begin to grow in the knowledge of God and his word. And if we don't do that, we have failed. If we pack this place out and it stays that way for the next 10 years and we don't see the growth in the spirituality and the knowledge of God, then we're just a church filled with empty people. And we can't be that way. But... If the righteous scarcely be saved, then where will the sinner appear? I can tell you where. The white throne judgment and then into the eternal lake of fire. 1 John 2.28 tells of Christians that some will be ashamed at his appearing. (laughs) You'll be glad to be raptured, but you'll be ashamed at his appearing. I wonder if it's because we fear to live the way we're supposed to live. You know, there's two aspects to it. Most Christians think of the separation from the man. I don't can't do anything. Yeah, I know. I just have a boring life. Poor old thing. They think we don't have any joy. Why? Because their joy is found in the flesh. They don't find that in walking with God, there's great joy, and it doesn't pass away with the happenings. But we're not just separated from the world. We're separated unto God. That's what you've got to be separated from the world, but separated unto God. He's the Lord. He's the God. He's the Master. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15 says that some will be saved so as by fire. Some are going to hear, well done. Acts chapter uh, 17, verse 30 and 31. The times of this ignorance God has winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because there's a, he's appointed a day in which he will judge the world. By that man whom he hath ordained and hath risen from the dead. Why? Because that's the one who died for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. He paid your penalty because he loves you. I mentioned some terrible sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11 points out that there's many people that were saved from those lifestyles. They were changed. And I like Revelation twenty two seventeen theme verse in our present campaign. And the spirit and the bride. If you're saved, you're part of the bride. If the Holy Spirit's doing this, then you should be doing it. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is at thirst come. You say, what is a thirst? I was flying from Chattanooga to North Carolina to uh, somewhere in North Carolina. I don't remember. But I, I flew somewhere in North Carolina, that's for sure. But uh, I was sitting on the back of the 
airplane, laid back in that chair. Nobody was back there. It was about a half-full plane. I thought, oh, that's great. By myself. Been in meetings all this time now. I can fly back and enjoy myself. And the stewardess comes up there and says, sir, we need you to move to the front. I said, okay, why? We got to redistribute the weight. Well, he sent me, but it's right behind the, the business section, the first class people, you know, the, they're up there, they got those big seats to stretch out in. But because there was a distance between it, I could still stretch my legs out. So I went in there and sat down, had the track that I wrote about uh, God's plan of salvation with me. And this young lady, I'd say she's in her 30s, but she's just typing away on the little laptop thing there. And so I just said, ma'am, I wrote this, and this is what changed my life. I'd like for you to read it and tell me what you think. And then I just took some stuff out of my satchel and started acting like I was reading and doing that number, you know. When she got done reading, I act like, well, I can't finish close at the same time she does, so I'll just wait a minute here and act like I'm finishing up. And so I'm, I'm doing that number, then I finish up, and I put it in my satchel, and she says, uh, I said to her, well, what would you think? She says, it had been 20 years since I'd been in church, and about a month ago I decided to go back to church. I was missing something. And she says, this is what I needed. And, and she told me how, as a little girl, she went to a camp, and everybody was going forward, so she went forward with them, was all excited, but that was the extent of it. She really doesn't know, remember that much of what she did. She realized the commitment, and I gave the high-wire illustration that many of you are familiar with and in there, and, and so she... She said, this is what I needed, and that's what I got. So I told her, I said, okay, now you need to get in church. I says, uh, now find a church. And I told her what kind of church to find. You know, find a good fundamental Baptist independent. Make sure they use the right Bible, use the right kind of music, and so forth. Well, I was laying that out to her. And she said, that's interesting you say that. And I said, why is that? She says, because I hadn't been in church in 20 years. When I went back, it was a nightclub. I said, what do you mean? She said they had these lights going and all this darkness and all this music. She says, that's what I go to the nightclubs for. And so she said, she said, uh, that's not what I was looking for. She says, I was needing something. And I found it. She found it. Now, what's so interesting about that, I never heard from her again. I, the track had our church thing and the website on the back. I told her to contact me if she wanted to. But I couldn't do anything else for her. But you know what? I told her, I said, you know what? God moved me from that seat I was liking back there up to here, which is a good seat too. I said, there was no mistake. God won me here. She says, well, let me tell you something. I wasn't supposed to fly back till tomorrow, and all my meetings got canceled. And I'm saying that, look, I didn't say that young lady's soul. God did. All I was was an instrument that gave her a track. Just gave her a track. One that I had written and told her, that's what changed my life. Look, you don't have to write the track. You can just say, get a simple plan of salvation track and say, this is the, what's in here is what changed my life. Invite them to church. Get them in God's house. Get them under the preaching of the word. Let them see that there is a way to be saved. There is a way to be forgiven, to be cleansed. 
and know you're on your way to heaven. Do you know that you're on your way to heaven today? If not, we're going to have a hymn of invitation in just a moment. And this is going to give you an opportunity to walk this aisle and receive Christ as your Savior. We have people that are trained in the Word of God that will open that Bible and show you how to be saved. All you do need to do is come. I hope you will. Let's bow our heads, please.